Last time we spoke uh, about Khira, free will, uh, which is a really very important topic, obviously. <clears throat> because um, most, most beings don't have free will, which is interesting, you know. Not that they can recognize what they do, they don't, they don't. But most beings, including Malachim, do not have free will, except the higher levels have Bechira. But, um, but uh, most beings, like I say, don't have free will. So therefore, it's a very highly unusual phenomenon to have free will, you know. But the essential idea with free will obviously does... Was that? A message they have. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Look, we have a neshama, and we don't have, like I mentioned last time, we have a range of free will. We don't have it all the time, you know, and... Uh, <coughs> Might as well mention this because it's interesting. Um, if the Rebansha wants one of these leaders, you know, to, uh, to carry out his decrees, for instance, let's say the Jews need suffering. Yisurim, right? So does the Rebansham force these people to do it? That's the question. Does the Rebansham take away their free will? We don't empower them. What? We don't empower them. Empower them. We don't that. It's not. They're not forced. Well, he was forced. In eventually. A, yeah, eventually. Yeah, I'm saying, but normally they they have a choice. Empower was an unusual circumstance. Yeah, most of the time. So that, and that's uh, some people think. <coughs> that people, you know, that the Mosham takes away their free will. Who are you referring to? Parai. He said Parai. No, but who are you referring to? And I said what? When you say the Russia or something takes away the... Uh... Yeah, let's say a guy like Stalin. Oh, you say Russia. The, I'm saying the Russia, as in... Oh, yeah, a, well, yeah, the, it's just, yeah, Russia, a Russia. Amela. Yeah, 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 the question okay. is... The question is when a person commits terrible evil, let's say, uh, specifically, let's say, uh, a king, a dictator, president, whatever, you know, does Russian take away his free will to, in, order to, uh, in order to get this person to fulfill his agenda? That's the question. Let's say Russian wants to bring his soon on Christ's will. So the question, suffering. Who is Russian? God. Are you referring to as Russia? No, no, no. No, the no, Rabbanu Shalom. No, no. Oh, the Rabbanu Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Let's say God okay. uh, wants to uh, bring his soon on Kala Yisrael, suffering on the Jewish people. So the question is, uh, and all of a sudden the ruler gets up and starts really uh, persecuting the Jews, you know. So the question is, does the Rabbanu Shalom, that's what compel this person to do uh, his dictates, what he wants to do. In other words, does the Rabbani Shalom take away the free will of Rishon? If he wants them, in effect, to suffer, make the Jews suffer, that is the question. We see by Paroi, as you mentioned, Pharaoh, that he didn't. That Paroi had Bechira for the first <coughs> five Marcus, uh five uh, whatever, plagues, and uh, it was only after he refused that the Bansham took away his free will. And therefore, he, uh, uh, it was over with. You know, he had no free will. Well, there's several ways it could happen. What's interesting is that the Bansham doesn't take away free will. It doesn't take away free will in the sense that uh, he removes free will by Russia. In other words, the capacity to choose freely remains. But what the Russian does do is interesting, several items. One, he looks around. Sounds funny, God looks around, but he looks around and he says, Let, let's take a Hitler Machshemai. Okay. So he needed somebody to do the Holocaust. Obviously, that's why it happened. A Holocaust, something like that. As it says in the Gemara Chum, a person bangs his finger only if there's a zero, a decree in heaven. That's how far it has to be decreed before somebody suffers. How much more so, you talk about the Holocaust, 6 million Jews, and so on. 60 million people died in World War II because of that man. So what the Martian did is he looked around. Now I want to tell you something, Hitler was an unusual person. 
What was that? 60 million. 60 million total died in yeah. World War II. Well, America, Europe, all the, all the people that died in, because of World War II. <coughs> including the Germans. Including the, the totality of the casualties of That's that war. The Japanese also? That I know, but I, I remember well, once read that. The it, it could be. I don't know if they include the perpetrators with the victims or just the victims. I don't know. But the victims were enormous. You know, It's incredible that because one man lived, 60 million people have died. It's beyond belief, you know? Uh, and it's not just him. I mean, you know, the, the wholesale slaughter that went on in the time of the Romans is beyond belief, you know. Uh, Khrushchev himself, they say, killed, uh, I don't know, 10 million Ukrainians. Whatever. I mean, these guys, these guys. But I think the greatest guy with the greatest title, I think, is uh, Mao Tse. Mao Tse Tong. When did he uh, live? He was, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, he was a communist. He's the one that made China communist. What, 1980s? No. Yeah, I remember he died. When did he die? 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. Oh, he killed more than Hitler? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He starved them out. It was, he didn't have to put them in concentration camps. He, <coughs> the guy was, I mean, he talked about ruthless people, you know? So, uh, he, uh, I, think, uh, I think the number is like 70 or 80 million people died because of this man. Yeah. What he did is he, uh, he had, the, you know, the five, the great leap forward. Every five years was a plan. He would, he would want to make China leap forward. So what he did is he reinstituted all kinds of crazy agricultural changes, which brought the whole most of the population to salvation. People died. I wonder how many people killed, but he's like legendary. You know, he's among the greatest murderers in history. Him, Stalin, Hitler, Caligula. Some of these guys get the Nobel Prize for not peace, but for death. If there was such a prize. Um, so, so he had to look around. What? Kain killed by Hitler. Who? Kain. <laughs> Kain killed by Hitler. Well, there wasn't too many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Also here. Yeah, but he's a murderer indirectly. These yeah. guys direct, you know. The manifest well. destiny here, the Europeans, the Native Americans, were successfully in Holocaust for all intents and purposes. Who, the American Indians? Yeah. Yeah, by the Americans. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I don't know how many were. Really, <coughs> pretty much were. The whole West was Indian. It was all whatever. But what I want to say is, therefore, that uh, so Hitler was a very unusual man. Why? Because it takes a very unusual Russia to want to kill so many people. Not only that, but to burn them, get concentration camps, gas chambers. I mean, you have to be unbelievably evil for this. So the Russian looked around and he saw in Austria there was this guy named Schickelgruber, which is, by the way, Hitler's name. Schickelgruber, that's his name. And he chose him. And he said, look, you're going to do my will. My will is that the Jews have to die. For whatever reason. And the clear of the Holocaust is incredible. But for whatever reason, uh, Jews are, have to die, and I, I'm going to choose him. So what the Russian did is he gave him Shaita Tishmael didn't force Hitler to do what he did. He gave him Santa Deschmaya. He gave him incredible divine assistance, which means he removed all obstacles to his becoming the leader of Germany. You know, and uh, he put him in the right country. So ultimately speaking, they all had free will. What the Russian did, didn't do is he didn't block them, which he normally would have done. So he didn't block them. But they ultimately had free will, and they did what they did. So therefore, the upshot of all this is that they all are chayev. They all have culpability, which is guilt, for what they did. That's what comes out of all this. You know? um, so that's how he, how he does it. We know this because... How do we know this? Because it says by a marker. Marker is a parapet or a rail on a roof. It says you should have to put up a mako, which is a parapet. It's a, a railing around a roof. Shema yipoel hanoifel. Lest somebody fall off the roof and get himself killed. So it should, it should really say Shema yipoel odom. Lest a man fall. You know? So it should say. But it doesn't say that. It says Shema yipoel hanoifel. Maybe the faller will fall. You know, so he's going to fall. Except the Russian sent them to your roof, so you're the one who got him to fall. But the zero was that he has to fall for whatever reason. But the Russian chose where he's going to go 
in order to fulfill the decree. You see. But not that he took away Bechira, but the Rosh knows all the people that want to commit evil. So he uses them as a shlichem. And that's a very important concept. Is that evil people are used as emissaries by the Rabbanu Shalom to do his will, but since they have Bechira, they are destroyed. And he basically he, bring, he brings an Isaiah onto, the, onto the, uh, the evil person? What he does is he gives him, he, 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 he clears the way. He gives him an opportunity to do Correct. what he wants. Correct, yeah. He doesn't block him. He gives him the opportunity. But the desire to do evil is in the mind of this person. God doesn't put a, a evil in the, in, the, in the person's mind. So, so that's a very important thing to know. What about the reverse with Ahasuerus? Like, we're led to believe that the davening and the fasting helped change Ahasuerus. You know, help, it wasn't his mind, but Hashem somehow changed the uh, decree. So this is, uh, well, the Rav looked around in the time of Achashverosh, <clears throat> and he took a look and says, "Wow, I got my man Haman." So he allowed Haman an incredible rise in the in the government of of uh, See, and Haman came out of nowhere, and he decided, you know, did God force Haman to do it? No, he allowed Haman to succeed by giving him Satyadishmaya. So he's asking the other way. He's so, asking so the US. did good for Christ's So that averted the decree, yeah. So therefore the Bosham did, he blocked them. Black common, but I have to say, I'll find so enough. Yeah, wait, 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 what? What did you say? What do you ask? Hashem intervened with the Bahira to reverse the decree based on Sarah's uh I mean Esther's um and well, he intervened, he had Homan hanged. That's his intervention. Homan was going to go through it, right? He wasn't going to stop. What he did is he had him hanged, and that was the end of it. You know, Hitler, same thing. He, they lost the war, Hitler committed suicide. Just want to ask a quick, when we have Thomas anyway. Esther now in the past, what does that do? Is that really doing anything in the spiritual sense, uh, or is it to help us realize the uh, magnanimity of what she did to save? It's not Esther. Fasting puts us in contact with why there was a zero against the Jews in the first place. Because basically, you're talking about assimilation. What the Jews did is they assimilated Wachashverosh. Not totally, but there was a tremendous assimilation. They attended his Suda, his meal, right? And he was displaying the uh, the kingdom of the base of Migdash, whatever, and so on and so forth. And uh, that's what they did. It was an unbelievable Brazilian of Kedusha, so therefore that brought upon them, obviously, the death sentence. So the Bansham looked around, so to speak, and he saw there was an Amaleki around, and Homan, Agog, and so on, he was Amalek, and he gave him success, and there it was. Um, uh, you know, he, and then finally he said no, and he stopped him, the Jews fasted and so on. He stopped him, uh, Homan, he killed him, you know? And that's basically what it is. So what the Bansham does, essentially, it's not that he puts evil in the mind of a person. The person chooses to evil, and the Bosham allows him or gives him the opportunity to fulfill his mindset. That's what he does. That's a very important idea. So it comes out. Wait. Yes. Oh, I was gonna, wait, wait. Oh, that's my next statement. Wait, wait. Anyway, that's what he usually does. In fact, the remnants to that. You know what the remnant this is? Because it says, Boruch Mordechai in Orohoman. Yes? The gematria of Boruch Mordechai is equal to Orohoman. It's interesting. Same, same gematria. Why? Why would the gematria of blesses Mordechai equal to curses Solomon? Because everything is bracha. Everything is? Bracha. Hey, that's good. Yes. Yes. Everything is bracha. We but don't see it, but eventually... Yes, the consequence is always bracha. But there's another concept also, another thought. <clears throat> because in the eyes of God, they are equal, as you want to say, because they're both emissaries or messengers of God. Mordechai to save the Jews and Haman to destroy the Jews. They're both emissaries because the Muslim allows Haman to do his thing because he has a... What Haman wants to do... Confirm, conforms to the agenda of God. So in that sense, they're both emissaries of God. You see what I'm saying? 
So as as such, of course, it will always be bracha, you know. But since they're always emissaries, they're both emissaries, so they're really equal. To us, Haman is, you know, is the vic, is the uh, what do you call it, the um, uh, perpetrator and so on, you know, the evil one, right, the villain, as they say, you know. But to Moshem, they're both emissaries. Therefore, Mordechai is an emissary, and so is Haman. So they're in, therefore, the gematries are equal. What's the difference? The difference is that Mordechai has Bechira to do good. Haman has uh, 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 has an idea to do evil, and he's given the opportunity to do evil. That's all. But in the end, they both are feeling the will of God, which is astounding. <coughs> the nations of the world realize that. That in the end, and the remus of that is what it says, Uksil lo yovin es dois, that Ms. Mashin and Mashabas, Uksil and the fool, lo yovin doesn't understand. That refers to the Satan. The Satan doesn't know that he really fills the will of God. He doesn't know that he's really doing the shlichas of the Rosham. He thinks by destroying Jews and so on, he's going to win in the end, whatever. But really, it's all, it all conforms to the agenda. And in the end of time, by the Mashiach, everybody will be shocked. Because everybody thought they were doing their own will. Yeah, all the, all the Rishoyim and so on and so forth. And in the end, all of them realized that they were nothing more than puppets in the hand of God. However, what's the difference between them, right? So the difference between them is their Bechira. That's all. So if you did good and you were Bechira to do good, you get reward. If you do good and you were not Bechira to do good, but you did it, let's say, for evil, and it turned out good, you get punished. That's the classic, in the Gemara of Adizah, talks about uh, Rome, but at the end of time, all the nations of the world are going to beg the Rebbeinu to, uh, you know, uh, you know, to, to exist. <coughs> and Rome is going to come to Rebbeinu and say, "Listen, we did a lot of good for the Jews. What was that? We built roads for them, bathhouses, a lot of stuff. Circuses. You know, what? Circuses. Circuses. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the circus uh, people maybe were even Jews. Who knows? You know." Um, so the Romans are going to tie in we did a lot of good for the Jews and it, it is true they built roads in the, which enabled Jews to have you know transportation and all that so Roshim answers them whatever you did was for your purposes evil okay it also happened to benefit the Jews indirectly that's all you know so indirectly they also had a benefit but you don't get schah because of that you see, that's what the, the version told them, you know, and, and so on. Uh, so even if a Russia does good indirectly, but really wants to do evil, but he winds up doing good, that, there's no reward for that. And basically, even though the Romans said, look, you're right, we really want to do evil just for ourselves. We want to charge the money for the toll roads and all that stuff. But Afropi came. There was an indirect benefit. So because of that, because the Barashim was Nefnimishus at them, he allowed them to, he gave them a mitzvah of sukkah, and he said, okay, I'll give you one mitzvah to observe, the Mara says, and if you do that, you'll get Oilam Habo. So what happened? So he gave them the sukkah, it's famous tomorrow, and he made the sun shine very hot, and they couldn't stand the heat, and they kicked the door open and said, let's get out of here, you know. And so on. That has a tremendous amount of premiums to it. But anyway, the main idea is that uh, the indirect concept, even though the Russian gave him an opportunity, didn't pan out. But the main idea here is that uh, the Russian doesn't plant evil in the in the, in a person's mind. Um, you know, he doesn't tamper with your decision. What he will tamper with. If he's going to tamper at all, he's, let's say, by Yehuda. What he did is he increased his drive, right? And therefore he had no Bechira. You know, if you get, you know, Bechira means many things. You have to have the capacity to decide freely, but you also have to be able to decide freely. You have to have the opportunities. And your drives have to be equal. If you have a drive, a tremendous drive to sin, you know, uh, that's really taking away your Bechira. In many ways, you don't have free will. Uh, it's called an honors. So what he made Yehuda was an honors. He increased his drive 
to be with uh, Tomo, and he had no Bechira. Even though he had the capacity, but the, the, the possibility was gone because <clears throat> his desire to be with her was a million times more than his desire not to do that. So, so he can do that. So that, that he can do. He can just change your opportunities where the opportunity to sin is a million times greater than the opportunity not to sin. And you're finished. As I mentioned before, the Gemara says, Give a guy, give money, great clothing, and put him next to a, a place of prostitution, and he's finished. You know, what are you going to do? And so, so that's where you see that the Bershom can deny you free will by doing what? By creating an opportunity, or rather giving you the ability to do sin much greater than doing the mitzvah and so on. So he does he, that, but he won't insert the decision. He didn't go over to you who then insert a decision in his mind. What's the difference? I mean, in a certain sense, there is no difference. Took away the free will. Yeah. But he won't take away the capacity for free will. Might as well do that. Um, yeah. But he didn't. You know, I'm just saying, you know. Is that like Malachim and Abihira, but they can only choose one way? Choose right or wrong or truth or false. They don't choose bad and evil. There's no evil by a Malach. I mean, ultimately it comes out there's no difference. You know. So when he gave Paroi, he took away his free will. Did he take away the capacity for free will? Or did he increase the likelihood that Paroi would say no? Because all of a sudden Paroi had thoughts. Nah, why should I let them more slave labor? Hey, look how much free economy I get, and so on, you know? So he, once Pharaoh had that thought, that influenced them to decide to keep them as slaves, and so on. You know? What I'm saying is that Bershom doesn't take away the capacity for free will. If he wants to take it away, he will do it, play around with the opportunities, or play around with your drives. Does, That's how he'll do it. Does everyone, anyway. does everyone start off at birth with a clean slate? Meaning, I want to ask, what makes some people more inclined to use the Bahira mostly for good, others mostly for bad, some to be pure tzaddikim, and lahavdil some to be wicked? What makes someone, they're not aware, or is it, we all start on the same page and say, you know what, I don't care about good, or does someone have an inclination We don't start on the same page, no. There are two terms that you need to understand what they are. One is called temperament, and the other is called personality. What's the difference between temperament and personality? A child is born with temperament. Temperament means organically or physiologically he has certain inclinations. And it's inborn. Some people are, you see in babies, some babies are, babies are incredibly sensitive to sound. You know, some are, it's called colicky, you know, where it wasn't baby, anything that could get him off starting to scream. You know what I'm saying? So, so, and there are people who have a tremendous tendency to get angry. Low tolerance frustration. Very poor tolerance for frustration. And they immediately boil up. You know, that's organic. You know, uh, that's how he's born, you know. So people are born with all kinds of tendencies, inclinations, or fancy words, proclivities, to do something, and that's it. Is the word proclivity? Never. Anyway. No, it's not. Can they be responsible? Credo. Credo. So therefore, that's temperament. Babies are born with different temperaments. It's inborn. It's, you want to say it's genetic, whatever it is. It has nothing to do with uh, learning. Personality is different. Personality is when a person with his temperament interacts with the environment his parents, his peers, and so on, and based on that, he learns how to respond to the uh, uh, demands of living. So he develops a certain way of behaving, which becomes predictable, and that's called personality. So personality is a learned way, of be is a learned pattern of behavior, and we all have personalities that identify us. And then temperament is not a learned pattern of behavior, it is important. So therefore, automatically you're going to start off with different inclinations. Somebody who, who is very easily uh, angered because he has very poor tolerance for frustration, he's going to work on his anger. 
somebody else who doesn't have that at all. He's not going to work on his anger. There's no problem with his anger. You know what I'm saying? He's got to work on something else, you know? Everybody's born differently with drives, hormones determine, you know, genetics determine. It's called the, what you're born with, you can say, and that's called temperament. And depending on what you're born with, you know, that plus the environment, that's called nurture. There's nature and nurture. So nature is what you're born with, that's temperament. Nurture is what environmental, and the result is personality. So with this biological and social programming, they're still held fully responsible for what they do in adulthood. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And that's why, ultimately speaking, a person is responsible for what? A person has free will, but what he has to battle with is his, his tendencies, his inclinations, his tendencies. You know what I'm saying? And so on, you know? I'll give you a classic example. It's not a, 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 you know, I don't know. Homosexuality. It's a drive, you know. And today it's a big topic. It goes on to the outside, you know. Even if a person has that, so there are very few that are organically that way. Very few, okay. And there's a tendency. But can they say no to their tendency? Of course they can. Of course they can. They say no, you know. I mean, people are, 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 a man is born with a tendency of inclination to be with a woman. So what does that mean? She can't be with every woman? Of course not. He can say no. Same thing with a homosexual. He can say no. You know, it's an inclination. It's a drive. But that's the whole <clears throat> concept, is to control your drives. You see what I'm saying? So these people have Bechira. You know what I'm saying? It's just that the arena that they have to struggle with is in this arena. Everybody has an arena. Your arena. That's where you fight, right? That's where the battle takes place. And the Barsham arranges it that each person has a different arena depending on the different type of tikkun he has to do. So what varies among people is the arenas that they have. Okay? But a person still has the ability to choose, just that his arena is different because of his temperament and his drives or whatever and his personality and that's all. He has Bechira in that sense. You see. He's and that's sure the mistake that they make and what society has done I might as well mention this is terrible what they have done basically because what they have done is they have permitted it. They have permitted or legitimatized that way of life. So therefore a guy says we'll have to fight it for why bother? Because it's now accepted by society. There's no more, it, it's no more condemning. It is accepted. So a guy says, what do I have to fight this for? So what they have done, what, and that, that you should know, that, that, that's why America is a frightening place to live in, you should know. It's very bad, you know. Once they've legitimatized and make it a state-sanctioned behavior, then the Russians are going to come after them. And who knows if we don't see it now, in the extremes of weather and so on. The Russian is going to come after him. I'm very afraid of America because of this. Uh, it's one thing the guy has it, but it's not sanctioned, so he's got to fight it. He has a drive toward that, uh, toward that direction. So fight it, that's all. Like anybody, walk down, you know, like I say. Uh, you know, men have a drive for, you know, innately, because the Russian wants reproduction, obviously, for women. So that's it. So there's a little, you know, sneers and all that, and so on, right? So the same thing with homosexual. Uh, once a state sanctions it, then there's no desire, there's no point in saying no. Uh, because now, you have a place in society, you're mechubed, it's beyond belief. Once that happens, then they are inviting the old story called the Mabal. The devotion will wipe out that society. Why? Because that society will destroy the reproduction, the whole ongoing civilization. Because obviously, homosexuality doesn't lead to reproduction. And the bunch will destroy. And that's what happened by the model. You know, and so on. Uh, so th this is what's so frightening. And I think I once mentioned Katrina. Why Katrina happened? I once mentioned yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was a classic. What? Yeah, like I said, you know, Katrina, what happened? <clears throat> Monday the hurricane hit, New Orleans. 
Tuesday I went over the walls and just invaded <coughs> the city. Why? I was wondering why. So <coughs> I remember I read in the paper, it was incredible. Because Wednesday, the South or New Orleans has a holiday called Southern Decadence Day. That's what it's called. And I was supposed to take on Wednesday. What is that? We have all kinds of zima, especially Mishkav Zoch, homosexuality, takes place openly in the city. And the cops don't do anything. It's beyond belief. And that was, it's called Southern Decadence Day. It's Mamasha. Uh, it's like, it's like a heta, Yom Heta. This is not Mardi Gras. What? This is not Mardi Gras. No, not the Mardi Gras. Uh, no, no, this is not Mardi Gras. This is whatever. I don't know where it came from. So this, oh yeah. So this was supposed to happen Wednesday. You know, so the storm hit Monday. Uh, it flooded the city on Tuesday. And of course, they didn't have Southern Decadence Day. So the shine is, what in the world is Hurricane Katrina? And the answer is a mini marble. It flooded the city. It's a marble, you know. So what I realized is, Rosh is going to take out a whole city. He doesn't care anymore. So he took out the whole city because of what they were about to do. Why? Because it became sanctioned. And there, at least, they just the police didn't do anything. But with you, with the Congress passes laws like New York State and so on that it's permitted, uh, what they're doing ultimately, like I say, is legitimatizing that whole tendency and that is a chubin for America. And America has no idea what's going to hit them and so on. And, and whatever. And you do have to accept anyway. that somebody that has tendency to homosexuality has a bigger nisayin, much bigger nisayin than a regular person because his choice is stay single, or living something he likes to live versus a regular guy has a, has a desire to get married to a woman has a, a whole different arena in his youngness. This yeah. guy is much worse off. Yeah, yeah. If so a guy is cut in slack, you can't say that he can't control himself. In a, in, in, a, in a certain sense, it's true. That's right. But there is, uh, I mean, Ramosh has a truth on it, on, on homosexuality. And he writes that uh, it's us, it's an Issa, that you're held responsible. That's what Moshe's truth you know. And so on. Yeah, well, it's Why? A, yeah, if it's, or else, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, court, you know. But but I want to tell you something. This is true in many ways. You know, there's there's homosexuality, and then there's bisexuality, right? And then there's uh, heterosexuality. Heterosexuality is interest in a woman. Homosexuality is a man's in or a man's interest in a man or a woman's interest in a woman. But there's no isabad or whatever. And then there's bisexuality where you can go either way. You know, the interesting thing about it is an infant is bisexual. doesn't make a difference. It can go either way. So what forms each way, you know, what forms it is the mores of society, of his parents, of his religion. So that directs him in a, word, a certain way and removes the possibility of another one. You see, what's the riot for that? You take a look at ancient times. The Greeks, they were all homosexuals. The elder was beneath of them, a male, to be with a woman, except, okay, you gotta get married because, well, you don't have any kids. But other than that, they preferred men or boys, whatever these guys were to. Roman was the same thing. The question is, if homosexual is abnormal, how in the world could a whole Medina be this way? You know, one person could be a sugar, but not the whole country. You know what I'm saying? And the answer is because they're bisexual when they're born. Except the society of Greece and Rome was homosexuality was permitted and therefore even a guy who's bisexual which is a rove of mankind even if he could have swung either way son, he said well why not Adraba. he was lauded by the fact that he was a homosexual you see so the majority of mankind right isn't that way there's only a, maybe a couple of people whatever the population is that it's truly organically homosexual so maybe for them it's an honest, just like, uh, you know, there are guys who are pyromaniacs who love to set fires. It's a mania. A mania is a, te is a pattern of behavior that's, that has no self-control. That's a mania. Pyromania is people are mania to set fires. Kleptomania, they have to steal. What kinds of manias? They're uncurable. What? They're uncurable. Some of them are like pedophilia. It's a mania, a mania to have relations with a kid. That's very hard to cure. Pedophilia and so on, you know, it means, yeah, child molesters, that's what they are. Very, very hard. Yeah. 
Um, whatever it is. What? What? Drugs. I mean, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 very much. That's why you have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, they reduce their libido. So you know, whatever. Uh, give them too much estrogen, take away the testosterone. I mean, whatever they do, you know, hormonally. What I'm saying is that, so therefore, yeah, what the matter? It's so Greece. There's no Greece anymore. Greece is a has been nation, you know, it's for years, the millenniums, you know, Rome destroyed, and so on. Why? Because they espouse, they legitimatize homosexuality, what Swamisis does, and so on, you know. And but, but anyway, but you see that if a whole nation could be homosexual, clearly it is normal, or uh, it's normal in the sense that it can happen. You see, and the way it can happen because a person is born bisexual, that's how he's born, and he learns which way to direct himself based on, like I say, the values and the ethics, uh, the morality of his uh, his parents, his siblings, his society, and so on. So what America is doing, and most of the world, is shreklach. What they are doing is destroying America. They have no idea what they are doing. Because from Katrina, you see that the Russian will not tolerate a deviation of that sort. And by the new, by states, I forgot how many states already have laws that permit that, what's called, you know, uh, uh, same-sex same marriages and so on. They have no idea what they are inviting upon themselves. And uh, the Russian will do that, because they, they, they can destroy the human race. They that's can't. basically what that is. You know? But anyway, that's... Um, so therefore... Sandy? Sandy? Maybe Sandy was homosexuality. Who knows? What was, remember, every hurricane, basically, is is a marble. Sure. I mean, you know, uh, Katrina was a marble. It was a marble. Except you need the wind to bring the water on land. That's all it is. It's just a way of getting water on land. It's a hurricane. You know, Sandy was the classic hurricane. You know, I'll never forget, which was incredible, when Sandy came to the mainland, you know, it was really supposed to veer off east. But instead, it veered left, which is unusual, five miles south of Atlantic <coughs> City. It almost veered left it was five miles south of Atlantic City. So it hit Atlantic City, destroyed it, wiped out New Jersey, and then when it went into New York City, it was beyond belief. My feeling is because New York legitimatized homosexuality. They passed it. Same-sex marriage is now legal. I'd rather, you know. And my feeling, the reason why, I think what protects the United States is Jews learning terror, you know. Um, and, and so on, you know, because, uh, so anyway, so that, that's the idea. Uh, I want to tell you why uh, civil rights movement happened, right? What the Indian civil rights is. Yeah. Which, which era is different? In the 60s and 50s, and 50s. Yeah, this can sound like a racist comment. Anyway, I should skip it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Might have to sell you guys people too. Oh, is that what the guy do? He made a racist comment? Yeah. What did he say? He said, don't, you should, he told his uh, friend, whatever she was, he said, don't bring your black friends here into the place. It, oh. it, it's not accepted in, in our circles. That, and that's why they're forcing him to sell. Because they're all that way. Yeah. And they don't want to admit it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, so that's what the motion does. Uh, he, remo he increases the tendency and the desires, and that's how he, he can take away Bukhira, which he has done many times. So there are different, what's called, instruments that the motion could use to remove Bukhira. That's what he does. In any case, um, so th these How are the ideas of Bukhira. How common is it for a tzaddik to lose his Bukhira and cause a tzaddik to do an affair like him? I mean, it's obviously not common. It's only when, it's only in Ogea for the Klai Yisrael. If your Klai Yisrael needs something, then Russian can remove it. How common is it? I don't think it's very is there common. Is any other examples of it? Besides Shudu? hitting the rack was... Uh... No, that, I mean, why would yeah. be there now? Obviously, no, no, it's, uh, 
I'm sure there are other examples I'm trying to remember, but... Uh, Did Yehuda do tshuva? Or he didn't have to. He ended up not doing the very. He did evil. He did yeah. Well, he, yeah, but he, he did an honest. He was an honest. Uh, no, yeah, no, I don't believe you because he was an honest. Is it my suit Dovra Melch? Dovra yeah. Well, Dovra Melch never sinned because he had a get. Uh, you know, but uh, although it, it was a chet because it was the appearance. Yeah, what Dovra Melch did, the Meister with Basheva. Which is interesting, Dawah Melch, the story of Dawah Melch is really, you know, with the Rav Dawah Melch said to the Barsham, how come it says, Elokei Avon, Elokei Yitzchuk, Elokei Akhoiv, why does it say Elokei David? Interesting. So the Barsham said to him, because they, each one of these people had tremendous concerns, and you, I never gave an sign that you could be worthy of that. So Dawah Melch said, okay, let's go. Bring it on. That, bring it on, yeah, and that is not good. You don't want. So the Bashim even told him what the Nisoyim would be. He said the Nisoyim would be with a woman. I mean, you know, he imagined he had the pre warned and all that. And uh, that was it. He fell. I mean, there wasn't a real affair because Bathsheba was married to Uriah Achiti. And because Uriah, what they used to do is before a guy went out to war, he used to give his wife a get. That if he dies, the get was retroactive, that she was really divorced when he died. So, you know, so... Uh, divorced from the time he left. From the time he left, yeah. Yeah. So therefore, Oria was Chayab Misa. That's how the husband, Oria was Chayab Misa. Why? Because he, when he talked to Dovah Melech, he said, My master, Adoniyohu. And what do you mean, my Adoniyohu? How do you say that? Uh, it's a Merida Malchus. Dovah is the king. How do you go say, my master? You're my master, because you're the king. So that, that was murdered by Malchus. That was murdered, uh, what do you call it, bizarre to the Melech. It's Chayab Misa. So anyway, he was Mechuyiv. So, Misa and so on. So what Dovah did is Dovah saw Sheva, and that was it. He wanted her and so on. The Muslim arranged that he would see her in such a way that he would want her, and that was it. So what he did is he sent Uriah to the front, knowing that he would be killed. Because the front is not the place... You can't get insurance policies if you're going to the front. That's out. You know, you're what's called a high risk. And he was obviously high risk. He was a certain risk. You know, he died. And uh, so, so Dovin didn't do any chet because first of all he was chayav misa. The second thing is that even though he's chayav misa, he did not. Um, he she was divorced. But the problem with Dovin is that it was the appearance that was wrong. Now, how do you do that? You know. And so on. So it, it appeared as if he had Uriah killed, and uh, and therefore he took her, and, and so on. So it, it was what's called the uh, the uh, appearance of impropriety. Did that was his What? From Bathsheba? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. In any in any case, so so the Bosham didn't take away the Bechir of David. You know, if he took that away, how in the world could it be allocated David? What he did is he gave David an Isaiah, you know, and then Isaiah is what, you know, he became, um, he failed because of that Isaiah, you know, and so on. Uh, in any case, so you have stories of Sadiqim that fail, obviously it's all. But the David asked for it, you know. So, so far so, what, what you're anyway. saying is that it could go both ways, I mean, either with the Tzadik or with the Russia. Yeah. Sometimes Rok will take off. Usually he doesn't take off. Usually he just brings up, brings, brings a certain, uh, circumstances to the person he wants yes. to be his emissary. Correct, yeah. He can put him in such an opportunity, a place, where the guy is not going to stand. You know. Because each person has, uh, you know, reached a certain level where there's no sign anymore. You know. So the motion could do that also. So what is, what is an Isaiah? And Isayan is like like taking away the, the balance of Bechira? Yeah. yeah. Or, or it's called to remove the probability that you be Bechira Toiv. I mean, in general, in You know, you don't take away the capacity to have free will. I want to tell you, where, where does free will lie? It lies in the will, it lies in the decision. <coughs> in the decision in the mind. I want to do this, and the decision then activates the operating will. And that will, in other words, once you decide, we, we, it, it's so elusive that we don't even know when it happens. But there is a decision, yes. 
And that activates the will, the operational will, and the will fires up the neurons in the brain, which activates the motor neurons, and you move. So the decision is where the Bechira happens. So what is an Isayan in general? Like, for us people, like regular, regular, regular people. An Isayan is nothing more than a situation, a situation that will tempt you to go in a certain direction. But tempt me means, means that I have full Bechira, I have full... I have full Bechira, meaning I have a balanced Bechira. Well, that, that tempt means I have... It depends on what the Nisayan is. Some Nisayan is where you don't really have much of a chance, and some Nisayan is where you do. But the problem is, if you fail in Nisayan, then obviously you've increased the likelihood that you're going to fail the next one. And so on. What? decision and then fail at that. There are people who sincerely want to overcome tendencies and develop themselves. You can't overcome a tendency. That, that, that's a drive. You can't overcome a drive. You can not sin. That's true. But you can't overcome a drive. Although, uh, you know, by Dovah the Melech it says, I made a libi cholobikirbi. It's a hole. Dovah the Melech was able to remove his tendencies. The heart is what we call the seat of emotions, and, it's what we, and therefore it's a seat of tendencies, so to speak. That's the symbol of tendencies. Dovah Amalek was so great that he was able to remove his tendencies. He had no desire to be choyteh. Amazing. So obviously it's possible. That's what the person wants. And clearly he has to build it. means he has to be responsible <coughs> for the construction of Olam Hapo. And the only way to be responsible for that is you have to have Bechira. Therefore, he gave man the capacity to choose. But besides that, a person can have a capacity to choose and do nothing. You know? A guy can get into an arena and not fight. So what did Barsham do? So he gave him inclinations that force you to fight, to do something. And that's called the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah. So as part of the plan, you need an Adam, one. You need free will is two. And you need inclinations, which is three, which is to force a person to choose. You have no choice. You can't remain what's called inert. You have to do something. Because your drives will force you to interact and make a decision in the opportunity or the decision that you have. Uh, so the Yetzirah is what? Is the drive to sin. And the Yetzirah is the drive not to sin or to do mitzvahs. And so on. Question is, what is the Eight Sahon and the Eight That's the question. But clearly, the drives of the body is the Eight Sahara. The drives of the body is the, is the Eight Sahara. You see that because what they did is they killed the Chazal, were very uh, annoyed at the fact that the Eight Sahara is winning in Abu Zora and anybody who's worshipping idols. So, what Chazal did, I think it was in the time of Ezra, they destroyed some aspect of the Eight Sahara. <coughs> And all of a sudden, the mom says, well, no Yetzirah, no, and so chickens didn't want to reproduce. Yeah, that was the end of the sex drive, libido. You know? So clearly from Chazal, you see that the physical urges is really the Yetzirah, and so on. Okay. So therefore, the physical urges that we have as a result of the fact that we have a material body, a physical body, is the, the uh, circumstance that drives us to commit sins. That's a very important concept, that we are driven to sin based on the urges of the body. So therefore, the Eight Sahara, the drives of the body is really, can be looked at as the Eight Sahara itself. Okay. The Eight Satoiv, however, right, it's not physical, so what is the Eight Satoiv? I once said what the Yetzirah is. No one once said what the Yetzirah is. The Yetzirah is the Nishama. It is the soul. That's what the Yetzirah is. A person doesn't have to have a Yetzirah. He is inclined to do Toiv. He's Nishama. His Nishama creates a spiritual drive. 
to want to do good, to want to become spiritual. And therefore, that's what the Yetzir Toiv is. That's why you don't find that there's Yetzir Toiv. You always find the Sun, the Yetzir Hara. But you don't find a Yetzir Toiv. And the reason for that is because you don't need a Yetzir Toiv. You already have one, right? And that is called the Neshama. As we will see, the Ramchal says that. So, you know, basically, he alludes to that. So therefore, you are now what? You have a Yetzir Toiv, which is the desire to do good, right? And you have the Eight Sahara, which is the physical tendencies to want to satisfy the pleasures of the body. The question then is, which is interesting, the Gemara says that it says, which means that there are two Eight Saharas. The Vavchem is plural. So there's the Eight Sahara for good and the Eight Sahara for bad. So the question is, how can there be Eight Sahara for good? How could there be Yetzirah for bad? Yetzirah is Yetzirah. It wants us to sin, right? So how in the world could there be a Yetzirah for good? I didn't say you should be over the Moshe. That's right. It's Yetzirah, yeah. It's a Yetzirah? That's Yetzirah. It means there are two It's Yetzirah to do good and Yetzirah to do bad. So the question is, how could Yetzirah get you to do good? That is the question. You know what I'm saying? And I always thought there was a Yitzhah Torah Torah. You serve Hashem with Yitzhah Torah, and you Yeah, no, you, there, no you, could, you have to serve the Moshe with the Yitzhah Torah. So the question is, how could you serve the Moshe with the Yitzhah Torah? What does that mean? And the answer to that is a very, very profound concept. What does the Yitzhah Torah really when he, you know, what he wants, how does he get a person to sin? That is the question. It looks like what he does is he provides the drive. He provides an urge, a drive, right? And a person wants to fulfill that drive. Okay? That's what it looks like. And it's true at a certain level. But there's something going on that's much more fundamental than that. When a person does something, there's two things that happen. One, he feels good about he he, uh, he fulfilled his drive, yes. But there's something else that happens also. When you fulfill a drive, you also have a sense of self. I did it. I fulfilled my drive is the Anoichi, I. And the fact that you fulfilled your drive means you did what you wanted to do. And that gives you a, a sense of self, you see. That's a very important concept. What the Eight is always trying to get you to do is to do the drive, but you did it. You are somebody. I did it. Anoichi. It's what they say. He once said something. Rav Shalom I never heard. You know, it says you have to do a chet because I permitted what was forbidden, and I forbid that which was permitted. So he wants to ask. Rav Shalom Shvadron wants to ask. He says, "Well, I understand something. I can understand that it was bad news a chet that I permitted that which was forbidden. Obviously, why in the world would I have to do tshuva because I?" forbid that which was permitted. Okay, it was permitted, so you didn't want to do it, so what? So why is that a chet? He had a question. So he answers something, which is a, you know, a tremendous isoyit, which is what I'm pointing out. The chet isn't that you forbid something which was permitted. It's because I forbid something which was permitted. It's the anoichi, ich. He once brought a story of the Chazonish where they, there was something going on in Bnei Brak, and it was, uh, I forgot what it was, going to Bnei Brak, and they put out that the Chazonish 
haste, means request, that everybody come to a certain asifa, obviously to try to battle whatever was going on. I don't know what was going on. So on the day of the speech, the Chazoynish was going to give this, you know, big lecture on what was going on, uh, whatever it was, to try to prevent, to try to correct behavior, prevent whatever was going on. So I think it, I think it happened even with Rav Shom Shvadron. So on the day of the lecture, so let's say we're supposed to speak at 3 o'clock in some hall in Nebrat. So 3 o'clock arrived, 2.30 arrived, quarter to 3, Chazonish was nowhere to be found. Chazonish was nowhere to be found. So everybody was getting nervous. Chazonish was supposed to address the Oilam. So he mentioned, I heard this in Lakewood many, many years ago, Rashon Fadron spoke in the dining room. I remember this story that he once broke down, and he mentioned this word. So he knew Chazonish, Rashon Fadron, and he went to the house of Chazonish. And the house was dark. So he knocked on the door, and the door was open, he went in, and he's looking at him and said, Chazonish, where are you? So all of a sudden, a voice comes to the door. So he found Chazoynish, and the room was dark, and Chazoynish was crying. So he looked at him, you know, he said, you know, you're going to speak, what's wrong? So the Chazoynish, I, I can't go and speak. So he asked him, well, why not? She so said, he put out signs saying that the Chazoynish requests haste, in Yiddish, that you should come to this Asifa. That's what they put out. So the Chazonish says, Chazonish requests, who am I to request anything? I mean, Chazonish says you should come to the Asifa. I'm nobody. So he was so broken by the fact that it said that Chazonish, it was that Chazonish said that if you have to come because Chazonish is Choshev, he's important, you see? And therefore, that's the implication. Chazonish says you got to come, <coughs> right? Which means... Chazonish is a very important person. So Chazonish was devastated. I'm a nobody. I'm important. He should have said, you got to come because of the Indian, you know, and there will be speakers. You know? But if it said that Chazonish said that you have to come, it implied clearly that Chazonish said, you know, you got to come. You got to come because Chazonish. He said, what kind of nonsense is that? I'm a nobody. The only reason why you have to come is because the Indian is important to come. And it was so devastating to him that he couldn't come. He just stayed in his house and he was crying. Believe it or not, Drago, but you, you know. But, and therefore, he wants to bring that. So therefore, it's the I that you have to do tshuva. I forbid that which was permitted. What do you mean I? Because I am somebody and I can forbid that which is permitted. So you're not doing tshuva on the fact that you forbid something which is permitted. You're doing it on the fact that you're getting an ego trip. You know, it's an ego stroke because uh, I forbid that which uh, permitted. That's the main concept of the Eight Sahara. The main idea of the Eight Sahara is to convince you that you're somebody. And he does that by saying, come on, do this because you're somebody. And we gain a sense of self by doing this. And ultimately, he wants you to gain a sense of self that is so strong. That you can say, I don't have to do mitzvahs. I'm somebody. Mr. Rosham told me to do anything. I'm equal to him. And your sense of self will be so great that it will enable you to defy the Rosham. That's what he's, and that's what he wants. When a person sins, okay, or what he's really doing is getting a certain sense of self because he's doing what he wants to do. And that's ultimately the Matorah of the Yitzhahara. It's a very subtle concept, but that ultimately is what he wants. You're saying the person who said saying, oh, I understand that she was... Oh, so therefore if the Yitzhahara is what? Now they answer the question, beautifully. So if the Yitzhahara fundamentally is a physical drive, right? So I'll use the physical drive to do a mitzvah. So then if I do a mitzvah, then it's the reverse. There's no sense of I. I'm doing the mitzvah because I'm doing the word of the Ratzon Wait, wait, wait. Let me answer the question. I'm doing the mitzvah because of the Ratzon Oh, so then it's okay. There's no Rogi there? What? There's no Rogi there? There's no... I know he? No. 
No, I'm doing it. A mitzvah is the contrary to what it is. You mean no, there's a physical drive to be somebody because you're doing the mission. Show up to uh, the, the somebody. Yeah. What's the greatest Yetzar of Yeshiva guy? Shlag up Who? Why? Ego. The greatest Yetzar of a Yeshiva guy is Gaiva. And they don't realize that. You know? It's Gaiva. That's what it is. You see? Very... And, and so they don't get caught up taiva usually. It's not taivas that bother them, but it's gaiva. I want to... Sh- Who's he? Shlug him up. You know what you're talking about, you know? Because who are you to argue with me? You see, I, I'm somebody. See, there's a certain... If, you know, when you vanquish somebody in Svara, you get a certain feeling that I'm important. I'm somebody. You have to be very careful with that. And the greatest, I'm not saying all yeshivas die, get involved with that, but I'm just saying, the sultan knows that he goes to yeshiva guy, he's not going to get him to go and do groba veros, as they say, you know, a real sin that everybody knows is a chet, you know. He's going to catch him some other way. He's going to get that guy to believe in himself, that he's somebody chosher. That's the chet. And I've seen, unfortunately, a lot of yeshiva guys, who are they bothering guy for? It's unbelievable. Torah is supposed to make you into what? The reverse, an honor. You know how many guys are really bothered Gail? It's terrible to watch a yeshiva guy, you know? And I hate to say it, but I've seen Rosh Hashivas that are really bothered Gail. Because Gaiva is in... Yes, I've seen Rosh Hashivas that are bothered Gail. Yes. I'm not Chasvashon, you know? But they fell. They fell. Where a guy thinks because he has a great head, you know, he's a Gavaldiga cop, He's somebody important. You know, who, who, I'm somebody important. Who are you to argue with me? And how, you can see by their demeanor, the sense of self, the sense that they're, they're what's called the, the smugness of themselves. They, they're not aware of it, of, aware of it, of it at all because they don't realize what Gaiva is. They don't realize how subtle it is and how easy it is to get caught up into Gaiva because they think Gaiva is, I'm better than you. No, Gaiva is where I'm somebody even if I'm not better than you. So every time I do a mitzvah and I feel good about it. No, good that, about No, 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 that's not gaiva. You feel good that you did a mitzvah and you fulfill your tachas. That's not gaiva. But it feels, I feel good just because I feel that I did it. If not, I wouldn't feel good. And but I, actually, I, I did do, do it. I mean, based on, on the chira, the way you explain Yeah, but you don't feel that makes you a somebody. You can feel good that you did something, but it doesn't make me a somebody. The key is somebody, that I'm important. Ich bin etwas, you know? And everybody rewards for that. What do you mean I'm somebody? I'm important. Even though you did something good, you could always do more. Yeah, the key is, what does it do of your sense of self? That's the key. Gaiva is an error, it's a distortion of self. Who I am. That I am somebody. I'm important, etc. And I once mentioned that there are four levels of gaiva. Remember that? There are four types of gaiva. Four levels of gaiva. And it's very easy to get caught up in that, you know, and so on. It's late. I don't want to get into it. Maybe I'll call it next week. And, and the, low, the, the, the lowest level of gaiva is the most subtle. Incredibly easy to fall into that area of gaiva. And that's the gaiva of... Shehitati, that Osati ma shehitati, that I asked it, because that's what it says, that I forbid something which was permitted. It's not that you permitted something, that you forbid something which was permitted. Okay, chumra, whatever. But I did it. And that's, what he, and that's the story that you see the Chazoinish. Until what point is self, healthy self esteem? Oh, I, I'm going to get to that. But the, the, what's the difference between self respect? 
and arrogance. And you the flip side. And yeah, wait, wait. And what's the difference between inferiority and humility? Right? Important. I could see a person thinking is important is just self esteem. Okay. Not better so than somebody else. Somebody else is also important. But he has also what to contribute to society. No, I, I don't get going to it, but I, I think I mentioned it once in the shit. I didn't mention the game of Shiannis. Anyway, what, what is, what's the thing between, what I'll talk about next week, what's the thing between self-respect and arrogance? And what's the difference between humility and inferiority? Inferiority is a machlo. It's a neurosis, whatever. And humility is a virtue. Arrogance is distortion, sin, whereas self-respect is critical. What's the difference? You have to know that, you have to know, but I'm telling you now, the key concept is a very important yesui. Most people do not realize that. It's not the sin only that the subject wants, the chet. But what he really wants to do is build up your sense of self to the extent where you think you're somebody. And that's the beginning of the downfall. You see, he wants to get your perception of self. That's the beginning of downfall. You see, and that's very subtle. And like I say, it is so subtle that the real head of yeshiva guys, maybe it's bit of terror also, whatever, you know, but in many ways it, le- it can easily lead to gaiva. You have to be very careful. So, and I've seen, unfortunately, a lot of stuff. You know, the guy thinks he's somebody special because he figured out a Rambam. Whatever, he won an argument over his Chavrusa, and so on, you know. It cannot be ego-driven. It has to be truth-driven, MS-driven. There has to be a desire for truth, not for ego. It's a big difference. But we'll talk about that next week, okay? Anyway, very important distinction. Okay? Anyway, I hope to see you all tomorrow night.